Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. chapter number 8 praise God I want you to I didn't make mention of this any time during prayer but I have a pastor friend that called me this week and I ask that you keep he and his family in prayer he's a man that's working with me to put on our men's conference this year in September he called me here leading up to this weekend weekend bishop and I, I'd given, I delegated some things his direction. He wondered if he could get reprieve because he had a daughter that just turned 18 years old and jumped ship the house, the church, the whole thing and there's people in this place to understand what that feels like and he said Pastor McGee he says I'm facing Sunday services I says I wish I had somebody who could preach for me. He says but it's going to be my lot and so you can only understand probably the stress that he has been under today trying to fulfill the role of a pastorship and yet have that also looming over his head. I'll leave his name nameless, but you know some of you understand that situation quite well. And you can be burdened for him and his family as they as they deal with these things and contend with these things. Amen tonight. Hallelujah. Ezekiel chapter number 8 and verse number 7. I'm going to begin and read a few verses of scripture. If it's all right tonight, I want to say I appreciate my family. Whenever I say my family, I appreciate them all, but I appreciate my immediate family. Uh, my wife and, and my son and my daughter love and adore them. There's, this has been somewhat of a crazy week for me personally. had a lot of little different due dates that uh, uh, had to be attended to this week, and some still ain't yet done, but I bought myself some time. And, uh, I've kind of been out of the pocket a lot this weekend. I've tried to make time for family and come and show up here for dinner on Saturday and so on and so forth. Went to bed at 3 o'clock this morning, and so it's been kind of just stringing a tight bow. I want to appreciate my daughter and my son always loving their dad and always uh, uh, hugging me. My daughter came to me last night as I was sitting at the table, and she going to bed. She says, well, you're going to be up for a while. Yeah, hon, I'm probably going to be up, you know, for a while uh, tonight. And so I want, I want to appreciate them and my wife as well. Uh, she has been working full time here for quite some time uh, in aid of helping our family uh, with extra things that have come about and those new new metal things on Mariah's teeth and so on and so forth uh, that they don't come as you know uh, pro bono or anything like that and so I appreciate her tonight and helping us in that uh, endeavor and so we've been at times like two ships passing during the week and during the day uh, her schedule isn't my schedule my schedule isn't her schedule and so on and so forth and so I appreciate my family Amen. I want to take time to say that because uh, I love this church, but this is God's bride, but she's mine. 
Exodus, or Ezekiel, see, talking about her, man, just about ready to get me off course here. My God. Ezekiel chapter number 8 and verse number 7. <laughs> so we can go south real quick. You start talking about your honey. You know. It's like old poop berry. It'll climb a tree. Ezekiel 8 verse 7. Ezekiel says, and he's speaking of the Lord. This is a vision. And he brought me to the door of the court. When I looked, behold, a hole in the wall. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when I had digged in the wall, behold, a door. And he said unto me, Go in, and behold, the wicked abominations that they do here. So I went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, an abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall round about. And there stood before them 70 men of the ancients of the house of Israel, and in the midst of them stood Jeazaniah, the son of Shaphan, with every man his censer in his hand, and a thick cloud of incense went up. Then said he unto me, Son of man, hast thou seen what the ancients of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the chambers of his imagery. For they say, The Lord seeth us not. The Lord hath forsaken the earth. Folks, the verse I want to draw your attention to, all of them, but nevertheless, is when Ezekiel says in this vision, the Lord brought him to a place in the temple, and he saw a hole in the wall. But as this progressed, he understood that in that or behind that, it gave view to something and there was a door. And so tonight, I want to minister upon this subject with the help of the Holy Ghost. This is not an Easter sermon. This is not Resurrection Sunday. This is what God directed me this week. I was working on this before I ever worked on Easter. When a hole becomes a door, when a hole becomes a door. Now listen to me. I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach. Because I feel like heaven has directed me this week with certain direction for tonight. And so if in my preaching you're like, that guy is in left field. That's fine. Because I would rather preach and not hit it than not preach it and it should have been hit. When a hole becomes a door. Father, I come to you right now. God, I'm asking tonight, Lord, that the same anointing I felt in that prayer closet during this week, God would come upon me even now. Lord, as I share, Lord, your word, this unadulterated, truthful word tonight. Lord, let it find us. Let it find me, oh Lord. 
God, I pray, Jesus, today, God, I need the help of heaven. I can't do this on my own, and I can't do this by myself. But, Lord, I will be obedient to the heavenly voice. Oh, breathe, Holy Spirit, upon this night now. Lord, let the wind, Lord, of your spirit, God, blow upon us right now. And to hear, Lord Jesus, what heaven would say to us. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. And the church say amen as you clap your hands unto the Lord. I love you, Jesus. 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 And you may be seated tonight, and I'll try to be conscious of your time. When a hole becomes a door, when a hole becomes a door. Again, today is the day for picking all, you know, the obscure things in the scripture, I guess. But I'm not picking them, okay? Amen. I'm just kind of like the mailman delivering the mail. Amen. To give you a little background so that you might understand the setting of our story, the setting of what's been relayed to you in the verses of scripture. This is Ezekiel, of course, he is writing. He is writing concerning a vision that has been given to him from the Lord. But you need to understand Ezekiel, where he is at, what he is at this moment of time in his life. He is an exile at this moment. He is an exile on the banks of the river of Chabar in Babylon. And Ezekiel is among a community of elite persons, elite captives, and he is prophesying to them. They have been deported from Jerusalem just like Ezekiel has been. And these captives along with others have left Jerusalem and have left the temple and are now in Babylon mainly because they have broken faith with God. Their confidence in God is not what it once was. They have broken faith with God. And so though Ezekiel's primary audience are his fellow captives from this first deportation, as news travels, it seems even that there are still those that are stationed in Jerusalem and some that are still yet close and around the temple that although they're not in Babylon, they could very easily be aware of the words that the Lord spoke to Ezekiel and of the visions that the Lord gave to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a man throughout the pages of his book. You'll pick up on very quickly. Ezekiel is a man that is deeply concerned with the holiness of God. He is deeply concerned particularly with the righteousness of God in light of the sinfulness of the people that he is a part of. Ezekiel has purposed through this book to in some way restore God's glory to the nation of Israel. Restore God's rightful place among the nation of Israel. Those who had at one time disdained it had disdained their God and disdained their God's glory and His holiness as other nations were looking on, as other nations were observing this. And so it's through divine instructions, it's through divine visions that the Lord gives Ezekiel 
through the book that he wrote. He gives him a picture. You can read it sometime in your Bible reading. That Ezekiel is given a picture of the unadulterated glory of the Lord. The majesty and the splendor of his holiness. He, he sees these different beasts. He sees wheels. He, he sees them turning and moving in a single direction. He sees the glory of the Lord in a vision. But also he shows Ezekiel God does. The moment that this great grandeur glory departed from the temple and even from the city of Jerusalem. And then he even showed Ezekiel why it departed. And it was because the people were defiled. The people had defiled the temple. They had defiled the city. They had used it for purposes other than what it was designed for. And as a result, that great splendor and majesty of God's glory, holiness, and righteousness, Ezekiel saw it going off of the land, off of the city, and off of the temple departing. Folks, in order to understand where we're positioned here tonight, prior to the times of the prophet Jeremiah and prior to the times of the prophet Ezekiel, the people had failed to a belief that their blessed city Jerusalem and the temple were invincible. They were invincible, meaning they believed that the city of Jerusalem could never fall into the hands of their enemy. They believed that their blessed temple could never fall into the hands of their enemy. They had went through so many times of both city and temple being protected and surviving so many times seemingly by the skin of their teeth that they thought that these things, these forces could not, could not reckon with this temple that they loved and this city that they adored. They, they stood like we might that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church, you know. They... They held to similar things like Gamaliel said in Acts. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. Lest happily ye be found even to fight against God. And so it's very similar type of things that no doubt these people held to and explained why. That whenever the prophets came and talked about the destruction of their city and the destruction of their, 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 their temple, that some of them had a hard time being convinced because they thought their temple was invincible and their city was invincible. And while I agree tonight, listen to Pastor tonight, I agree that true, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church as long as the church remains his church. As long as the church remains his church. And, and if it be of God, nothing can overthrow it as long as it's of God. As long as it's of God. And so our vulnerability sometimes, the chink in our armor, if you will, is whenever people forsake God. Whenever people forget God. Amen. The temple's not invincible. Amen. The city's not invincible. Whatever enemy comes against it, it's not going to assail it. Amen. All of that's true as long as the people are faithful to God. As long as the people do not forsake God. God. Amen. But we expose ourselves to a lot of vulnerabilities whenever we walk out from under the shadow of his wing. Amen. Jerusalem prior to their thinking or, or in contrast to their thinking it would be destroyed and it was going to be destroyed primarily because of the neglect on the people's part. Perhaps some of those indestructible beliefs about both the city and the temple maybe helped maybe even gender some of their unholy actions. Because when you think you're invincible, you think you can get by with anything. 
A man that believes that he has armor that cannot be penetrated will go up against anything. Because he thinks there's no chance of anything happening to me. And so perhaps they started walking down some slippery slopes, down some dark alleys, down some questionable roads because they thought they were in a position or in a place that they would never be conquered. The city would never be taken. The house would never be destroyed thinking that it really don't matter what I do. This thing is signed, sealed, and delivered. Someone say amen. Perhaps they thought they could get by with anything because their city was blessed or their temple was blessed and that regardless it was going to stand and that regardless it was going to be sure and steadfast. But the reality of the situation is this. That was not the case. It was steadfast as long as they stayed with God. It was steadfast as long as they were faithful to the Lord. But if they would meander out among uh, out from under the protective wing of God, they were just as vulnerable as the next man they were just as vulnerable as any other nation they were just as vulnerable as any other people and folks it's not too much a different idea today whenever people start to hold skewed views concerning the grace of God people saying well grace will keep me grace will protect me it found me when I left the field and it will keep me when I do wrong even if I do wrong purposely you got the wrong idea concerning grace grace will keep you if you keep it Grace will honor you if you honor Him. It's not an invincible thing just to do whatever you want to do because you are impenetrable because of God's grace. No! Someone say amen. But God, I got to get to my sermon. But God showed Ezekiel in a vision. This is a vision, mind you. He showed Ezekiel in a vision. The apparent glory of the Lord. And he showed that glory departing from the land of Jerusalem. He showed it departing, amen, from the temple. Because all of this was due to the defiling of the people. The people defiled the glory of the Lord. Now notice what the scripture says. In this vision, the the Spirit of the Lord comes down. Ezekiel, Ezekiel is in his home. You can read it at the starting of this chapter. Ezekiel is in his home. Amen. He's sitting in his house among the, 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 the elders. The Judean elders are before him. The Spirit of God comes down in that scenario there in Babylon. It picks Ezekiel up by the nap of his neck and it carries him in a vision. He's in Babylon, but he's carried in a vision back to Jerusalem. He's carried in a vision back to the the temple that they're not there anymore the temple that's going to be destroyed and the spirit of the Lord takes him to this court the Bible says a court that's in the temple that Elijah or Ezekiel is having this vision of and the Bible says as, as Ezekiel looks and he's here at the wall of the temple as he looks there is a hole in the wall of the temple and the hole in the wall, in the temple, put a door in his view that led to a place on the opposite side of the door where things were going on that were contrary to and in contrast to the holy temple that the hole was in. There were some things taking place on the opposite side of the wall that were in contrast to what happened on the other side of the wall. 
There were some things that were happening on the opposite side of the door that did not correlate well with what took place inside of the temple. And we understand here tonight that the motives behind the door were different than the motives before the door. The allegiances behind the door were different than the allegiances on the front part of the door. The worship behind the door was different than the worship that took place on the other side of the door. No, I said different, but not non-existent. Someone say amen. The contemporary century version says it like this concerning Ezekiel. He said, I saw a hole in the wall. God said, make this hole bigger. And when I did, I realized it was a doorway. The door was made visible because of the hole in the wall. See, see, the door was cloaked in obscurity as long as there was no hole in the wall. No one was any wiser concerning the breach. No one was any wiser concerning the doorway or the entrance when there was no breach in the wall. But see, the hole gave the awareness to the door. And curiosities get peaked. Inquisitive spirits begin to long. Someone opened a door to a room that they would eventually worship in. But what would they worship? Who would they worship? Ezekiel said, whenever I went through that entry in the doorway, he said, I seen all types of animals and creeping things and beasts that were portrayed upon the walls of that room. I seen reptiles and I seen other gods and goddesses all along that wall. And there were 70 of the elders that were standing among them and they had their censers in their hands and they were worshiping all manners of beasts and all manners of reptiles and all manners of gods. And some might say tonight, well, Brother McGee, they should not have gone into the room. Others might say, well, the door should have never been seen. But I I declared to someone in this place tonight somebody should have repaired the breach somebody should have repaired the hole in the wall before anybody had a chance the Bible says this in Isaiah 58 and 12 speaking of breaches speaking of holes he's speaking to Israel and they shall be of thee and shall build the old waste places and thou shalt rise up the foundation of many generations and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of the paths to dwell in he said there's going to be a people that's not going to allow things to be dilapidated in the house of God there's going to be people that's going to see the holes in the walls of the temple and they're going to repair them they're going to patch them they're going to make them new again because what I want you to come to understanding tonight is this any hole in the wall in the temple will lead to a door that will give entrance of your life into a realm that you need not be that is quite contrary to what happens in this house and in this place amen listen it doesn't matter really tonight if you want to clap that's fine you want amen that's fine if you don't that is fine this evening because I, I just got a I got a mission amen tonight from heaven amen we don't normally listen we don't normally describe things as having holes if the hole was intended to be there I might call it an opening but I call something a hole when it's unintentional 
Socks get holes in them. Drywall gets holes in them. The knees of my son's pants gets holes in them. But I call them that because they're at places where they should not be. They're at places where they should not be. So there's a hole in the temple wall. There's a hole in the sacred place. There's a hole in the holy place. And I'm under the conviction that the hole wasn't supposed to be there. Or Ezekiel would have called it something else outside of a hole. It shouldn't have been there in the holy place. It shouldn't have been there in the sacred place. It was not part of the original design for the hole to be there. And the only reason why God wanted Ezekiel to dig through the wall a little further was for him to discover the door and the room and the hidden activity that was going on the opposite side. Lord, I, I've, got to, I've got to think about you poor folks tonight. But, uh, whenever we look at the word whole, the word whole in the Bible, it comes to us from a Hebrew word. More importantly, a Hebrew root word, which means the crevice of a serpent or the cell of a prison. It's the only two times that root word is used in the scripture when it's speaking along those things. Amen. Isaiah 11 and verse 8. It speaks of that root word, a hoe, in this manner. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. This is speaking of the millennial reign of the Lord Jesus Christ. A time when the lamb will lay down with the lion and there will be peace. And that as a suckling child could even put his hand or play around the hoe of an asp around the hole of a venomous snake such as a, a, a viper or a cobra that he could do that he could have his hand around the den he could have his hand around the living quarters of a snake without any harm well that's then at the millennial reign but right now no one would hang around the living quarters of a sly beguiling crafty snake no one would be close to the hole of a venomous snake but what Ezekiel seen was a hole the wall that was just like the hole of a venomous stake and he said there's people that's going in there uh, someone say hallelujah uh, folks I'm telling you tonight I hope I can portray what I feel like the Holy Ghost has portrayed to me but I felt it this week in prayer as I spoke to God and there were different times while I read the, 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 the book of, uh, of Ezekiel or, or yes Ezekiel that the Lord spoke to me and you can look at it right here in this Bible that I wrote down God says I'm talking to you just like I was talking to Ezekiel the very same thing I say to Ezekiel applies to you God was speaking those words to me and what I've come here tonight to say is this we need not to let any holes in the walls of the temple to go unattended to because they're going to pull you to a door and they're going to make you have access to some places where venomous things are where beguiling things are where crafty things are and the fact of the matter is this some people think that they got it hid from God and they got it hid from the temple and they got it hid from their families but I come as a messenger tonight of heaven and say you got to beware because holes lead and become doors it's nothing to trifle with the other occurrence where that word ho the root word is used is Isaiah 42 and verse 22 the Bible says but this is a people speaking of Israel robbed and spoiled they are all 
of them snared in holes and they are hid in prison houses they are for a prey and none delivereth for a spoil and none saith restore through Isaiah once again God says Israel is snared by hoes by the unexpected by the things that are not of the original design she's snared in so much that she has been incarcerated in a prison You know how it is. I know how it is. Bless God, our, our closet in our house, my wife and I, when we moved in, there was one rod. Closet's not very big anyway. I put two rods. One way up high, that was for me. One down lower, that's for my wife. We got a double-decker. Some people have a walk-in, we have a double-decker. I stand up on a stool to get my clothes. I reach back all the way like this sometimes. This morning, I went to grab a suit, and I got three. But as a result of that, and it's not really probably as wide as it needs to be, if you have hangers, sometimes they'll rub against that back wall, and all of a sudden, a hoe will show up on a shoulder. And you know what? You know what the curiosity and the inquisitiveness of me happens whenever I see it? I go right there and I look at it. I pull down on it. Because we're intrigued by something that's outside of the norm. you know what happens in the temple a hole comes up in the wall it's like I don't remember that being there before and we go on and we start to put our hand in there y'all done I've done it to my kids we've done it all kinds of different ways drywall you put how in the world did that have you put your thumb in there how deep is that thing but before you know it if you reach in your hand's going to reach a door They said curiosity killed the cat, and I guess that happened because he had nine lives. I don't know. But if that's in your house and you never knew it was in your house, what are you going to do? Open it up. But when you open it up, you've just opened yourself up. A hole has become a door. You've opened yourself up. And here you find yourself, you're playing around the hole of an asp. You're playing around the hole that could possibly ensnare you. That could possibly incarcerate you and imprison you. It doesn't keep you from stepping outside of the room back into the sanctuaries of the holy. It doesn't, call, it doesn't keep you from stepping back into the holy place and feel the Shekinah. But it's there and has access for the times you don't want nobody to know. And you want everything to be hid. And you can just slide back on through the hole, through the door. Back to a place and do what you want. Act like what you want. Look at what you want. Read what you want. Talk about what you want. But folks, I'm telling you, if you don't watch it, it will incarcerate you. Folks, I'm here to tell you tonight that as long as there are no holes in the wall, or as long as there's no breaches in the wall, or at least if there are any, if they get speedily repaired, amen, the people are just going to concern themselves with the things of the temple. As long as the holes keep repaired, their mind is going to be on the, the brazen altar where they pray. It's going to be on the brazen labor where they wash. As long as there's no holes in the wall and prayer and washing are still there, you're just going to concern yourself with the altar and going 
going to concern yourself with the labor and if you enter into the holies of holies you're going to concern yourself where the incense is and worship takes place and where you eat the bread of life and where you see the light flickering you're going to concern yourself with all those things but if we don't keep holes repaired people will go to the hole rather than to the altar they'll go to the hole rather than the basin they'll go to the hole So would say hallelujah. But as long as we can keep them repaired, it's just all about temple sacrifice, temple offerings, temple worship. It'll just be about people with their censers in the presence of the Lord before his throne. It'll just be the norm. It's no surprise to me. That even the old rustic tabernacle in the wilderness had outer court walls that were five cubits tall. That's seven and a half feet tall. And that if you got to the holy place and the holies of holies, there were 48 boards that made up that place. And those boards in length, or in height rather, was 10 cubits tall, meaning 15 feet tall. You know why? Because once you started getting to the outer court, they didn't want anything else to distract you. That an average Jewish height of that day wouldn't have been able to see over a seven and a half foot wall. Whenever they entered that place, they wanted them to have their mind on one thing. The altar and the labor. And as they got closer to the Shekinah, they wanted them to be even more focused so the wall gets higher. Someone say amen. Twice as high. That wasn't just arranged to keep certain things out. It was more importantly, amen, to keep those Israelites from being distracted by anything else that did not concern the tabernacle. That when they showed up, it was prayer, it was washing, it was worship, it was spirit. But see, once you pass through a door that's in a hole in the wall of the temple, while you're washing, you're thinking about what's happening at the other side of the door. <laughs> While you're praying, your mind has fleeting thoughts. Someone say amen. But as we get closer to his presence, it's more important that we don't get distracted. Because I guarantee you this, outside allurements are going to try harder to get your attention as you get closer to his glory. Hear me. Outside allurements are going to be vying for your attention more as you get closer to his glory. Here's something important to denote. The Bible says whenever Ezekiel went through the hole to the door into this room that the seven elders of Judah were standing there with censers in hand. And he describes that there was a thick cloud of incense that went up. In other words, they haven't spared anything concerning incense in this room. Now here's what I want you to understand. You don't leave the temple through the hole to a door without your censer. What that means is this. Worship goes wherever you go. 
Worship is there and exposed to where you're at and what you're exposed to. Worship is involved in any place you visit, literally or figuratively. Here's the fact of the matter. We have no capacity to stop worshiping, only change our object of worship. He says, whenever I got over to that room, they still had their censors. Worship hadn't stopped. Because God created inside of us this propensity to be awed by something. To be amazed by something. He created in us a desire to reverence something. To esteem something as important by sacrificing our time to it. Or sacrificing our attention to it. Or sacrificing our money to it. We were created for worship. As a matter of fact, everything that God showed Ezekiel around about that temple and that vision all had to do with a skewed worship. When he first took him there, he took him to the entrance of the northern gate of the temple's inside court. And the Bible says that God showed Ezekiel the image of a sex goddess that was there. Then he took him into this hole, this door, this room where there was all kinds of debauchery and worship of false deities and gods were going on of all manners of beasts by the leaders. He took him to another place where there were women weeping, not over the condition of God's house, not because there were hoes in its walls, but there were weeping for a Babylonian fertility God. And each time God told Ezekiel, Ezekiel, if you thought that was something, you're going to see worse yet. And it all concerned worship. He finally showed Ezekiel and Ezekiel at this place. There were 25 men. The Bible says these 25 men were between the porch and the altar. According to Joel, that was the normal place where priests would stand to cry out for the people. But these 25 men had their backs turned toward the temple of God. And they were bowing over to a sun god. Worshiping it. Whenever Ezekiel, God I love you people. Whenever Ezekiel got in that hole and there was entrance to that door and there was every man in that room that seemingly to their prescription was hidden. A hidden room had censer in hand worshiping and he describes that thick cloud and they had much incense. Again, I want to underscore this because I felt this this week and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I was just pizza I ate I guess the night before. But he said it was the 70 elders of Judah that was in there. It was the leadership. Uh, I'm preaching tonight to the leaders of the first apostolic church. And I'm telling you that holes and temple walls will lead to doors. It will, he, it will lead to doors to things that will ensnare you that you'll find more pleasure in than you do the house of God. You entering in by these holes is nothing more but flirting around with the den of some snake. Hanging around these holes is doing nothing more but just playing, if you will, a flirtatious activity with the possibility of being imprisoned.
and the people I'm telling you today because they'll come and they'll say I never quit worshiping and that is right but I ask you tonight what are you worshiping when the rubber meets the road in order to get to that place you got to pass through the temple in order to get to the hole to the door you got to pass to through the temple so I'll see you here I'll shake your hand we'll pat each other's back but the thing is there's a room that's hidden there's a room that nobody knows about there's a thought process in the mind there are some things that are entertained that your spouse may not even know about but God is trying to tell somebody tonight that holes become doors and you open yourself up to things that will incarcerate you latch themselves upon you and take you far far away from where you need to be Nehemiah said it, Nehemiah 6 and 1, he's rebuilding, he's really rebuilding Jerusalem, he's rebuilding the walls, the temple is going to be set stage to be rebuilt again, he says in Nehemiah 6 and 1, now if it came to pass when Sanballat and Tobiah and Jeshem the Rehabian and the rest of our enemies heard that I builded the wall and that there was no breach left therein, though at that time I had not set up the doors upon the gates, he says, Sanballat Tobiah and Jeshem, the enemies, showed up when there wasn't a breach left. Let me give you a guarantee here tonight. He who closely follows God will closely be followed by the devil. I want you to realize at this point of time in Nehemiah's work this isn't the starting of the building of the wall this is not the halfway stage of the building of the wall amen where you can get very dejected and discouraged and torn down this isn't at the halfway point no this is at the home this is the home stretch he is on the verge of having this thing whipped he's at the point of completion Nehemiah says there were there was no breach left in the wall but when there were no holes left the enemies came he said In verse 2, to do me mischief. Because as long as there's holes in the temple walls or the city walls, we may be inclined of our own volition to open doors to things and places. But when they're patched, when they're sealed, when there is none, the enemy feels like he has to up his ante and his game to get any attention. But if he can leave it all in your hands to investigate holes and open doors, honey, he just sits back and watches the performance. (laughs) The Bible says during the reign of Jehoash, during the reign of Jehoash the king, he tried to set things aright. He tried to repair the breaches in the house of the Lord God. His tenure came up on the people. The Bible says that sacrificed and burned incense in high places, false deities and false gods. But he was trying to make these things right. The Bible said he had asked, listen to me, he had asked the priests to take the money that they were gathering from the people, that they would take the money and that they would repair the breaches 
or they, and I'm not talking about these breaches, all right, that they would repair the holes that was in the walls of the temple. He requested that. It seems, you can read of it, amen, in 2 Kings chapter 12. It seems as though he requested that in the beginning of his reign. But the Bible says when it was the 23rd year of his reign, there had still been nothing done to correct it. 23 years had passed and nothing had been done. The priest had not lifted a finger and made I just interject here that the revelation says that we are kings and priests unto God. Let me put it more personal. You just as, you just as responsible for the hoes that show up around the temple as I am. And the Bible says in the New Century Version of the Bible, it says this is, what, this is what Jehoash said unto them. He said, then the priests must repair any damage they find in the temple. But for 20 years it was not done. For year 2, year 5, year 10, year 15, 23 years went by and it was not done. No wonder the people had been burning incense and worshiping to false deities. And he comes asking why in the world, he even asked him, why in the world haven't you repaired the breach? Why haven't you repaired the wall? Amen, Regardless, priest, he says, I tell you this, you are not to receive any more money, amen, for this. I'm delegating this whole, this whole hole in the wall repair thing, amen, to another group. And the Bible says he employed workers to repair the holes that were in the wall. And his instructions were clear. Listen to me real closely here tonight. His instructions were clear. He says, I'm giving you money to repair the holes in the walls. And this is what he said. Look at it in 2 Kings 12, 13 and 14. He says, I don't want you to use the money for bows of silver, snuffers, basins, trumpets, vessels of gold. It's not to be used for any of that. It's to be used for the hose that are in the wall of the temple. Why? Because it doesn't matter how many trumpets you got to sound. And it doesn't matter how many snuff dishes you have to do the work of the temple. It doesn't matter if you have the best of silver basins or golden basins. Or how many you have of them. If there's a hole in the wall. I got to preach tonight. It doesn't matter how high you scream your voice when you're here. How hard you slap your hands together. If you come an hour before church and pray. If there's a hole in the wall that's ensnaring you. And taking you to places when you're not in the temple. Amen. To places. It doesn't matter how many musical instruments we have. It doesn't matter how much preaching we have. It doesn't matter how many good programs we have. How many committees we put on. How many positions we get filled. If there's a gaping hole in the wall of the temple. Because it'll lend itself to craftiness. It'll lend itself to begality. It'll lend itself to the serpent. It'll lend itself to binding. You can do everything you want in that house. Or supposedly look like you're doing. But if there's a hole. It leads to a door. That has got you right in its talons. The Bible says they said. The Lord seeth us not. The Lord seeth us not. They thought. As they stood in there among these portrayals upon the walls. With their worship going forward. 
the Lord doesn't see what I'm doing. The Lord doesn't see where I am. They thought they were hid, but God had allowed the man of God by a vision to discover a hidden room that started with a hole but led to a door. Can we get real? Let's get real here for a few moments, folks. I feel that the Apostolic Church, more importantly, the 1121 Cedar Street Apostolic Church, and I've already alluded to the fact that I feel there is some leadership that are opening themselves up to things that it need not be. Listen, I understand we all need to have times to kick back. I understand we all need to have something for enjoyment. Hear me today. You hearing me? That there are some things that's coming across the plate in society by virtue of the internet, by virtue of television, that you don't realize it, but he's got you ensnared. There has been some things, let me testify to you. There's been some things that, you know, me and my wife, they got, you know, new series coming out all the time that come upon the television. And we'll start in, you know, watching something. It's going to be good. And we watch it, and you get three, four, five shows in. And all of a sudden, they have a propagation of, of homosexuality. And they, they have a propagation of illicit sex. And they have their propagation of this. And I look over at my wife, and I tell you, I said, Hun, this is nothing more but the work of the enemy because he wants good apostolic people to get interested in what they think is a good and harmless little show and they'll get deep enough and interested enough by time number five comes up and that comes on their screen they look over their spouse and say well that only happened once we don't have to worry about that we'll give it a few more weeks and then two weeks go by four weeks go by let me tell you what you've done you've went into a hole and you found yourself a door and God is not pleased with that type of activity Honey, I'm all about action. I'm all about excitement. I'm all about of all that. But not at the sake of letting go what I have right here. Not at the sake, if you will, of trading off what I got right here. Honey, I'm not going to allow any television program to become more important to me than my Bible. I'm not going to allow any television program to become more important to me than my prayer life. Holes lead the doors. I got two kids. This is the technology generation. This technology world. Now, as a kid, you had dirt and trucks. Today, you have dirt and trucks on the screen. We colored color pages. Now, today, you pick areas that you want a certain color, and it becomes that. Do you know what's happened? The suckling child is playing by the hoe of the ass. I got, I got timers. I got timers on my son's Xbox. I got timers on my daughter's phone. It reports to me. It tells me when her time's up. And if they're going to get any more time, they got to come to me for time. I'm father time. 
Why? Because folks, them being the age they are, immature as they are, if I would allow them to from the moment they got up to the time they went to bed during spring break, they would constantly be entertained by videos someone else has put on, by a game somebody else has produced. They would be ensnared by all of that. Their mind would be more taught by somebody I don't know than my own voice. There's children right now that hear more through their media than they hear in a Sunday school class on Sunday morning. They know more about all of the superheroes and all this other junk and powers and things like that. And they don't have no one lick of sense concerning the power of the Holy Ghost and the righteousness of God or who the 12 disciples are. Honey, there's infants that are, if you will, playing around the hole of an asp. Honey, I don't want my kids to grow up as a bunch of technology junkies. If they get a job with it, God bless them, profit them, and let them pay their tithes. But I'm here to tell you this. I want them to be a Bible junkie. I want them to be a prayer junkie. I want them to be a church junkie. I want them to be sold off on the things concerning the temple. And if they see a hole like that, I want them to have the audacity. Say, we need to patch that thing up. Because I know how that tried to ensnare me when I was young. I'm preaching to us all. Family time's been regulated to sitting down watching a movie together. There's nothing wrong with that. But that should not be your only venue. See, we 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 we, we got to we got to be careful here tonight, folks important to be careful here tonight my Bible my Bible tells me of a day that the Apostle Paul told of Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 and 4 that there would be traitors heady, high minded lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such. What? If there is a pleasure, remember, remember this, the Apostle Paul said all things are lawful, but not all things are expedient. But I will not be brought under the power of any. You do whatever you want to do. But whenever something you have in your life, you find yourself being the servant rather than the master. That has become a weight in sin that so easily besets you. It's all permissible, Brother Terry. But whenever it becomes master in your servant and slave, see, a shift has happened. Loving pleasures more than... The lover of God from such because what happens when you love pleasure more than God or you love a particular pleasure more than you love God 
Some people would deny it to the nth degree. But what they don't understand is they are under a spirit of deception at that moment. And denial. <laughs> Turn away. Here's, here's what we're wrestling with. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us in Hebrews. I got them all here tonight. They're not all up there, but I got them all here. I got a Bible up here. Amen. They're all right up here. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven twenty five, Amen. Moses, that he would choose rather to suffer the afflictions with the people of God than what? Than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Huh. Right. Lovers of pleasure. Now, all of those are just seasonal. I, I, listen, I, we don't preach against TV around here, but I'm just preaching, okay? They're all just seasonal. For a season, look at your trade-off. I ran in Bishop's office the other day. I said, look at this. I came across this. I've read these scriptures, but finally they lined up with one another. The Bible tells me in Psalms 100, Psalm 16 and verse 11, that will shew me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. And at thy right hand there are pleasures for sin, seasonal for a season pleasure. God pleasures Ever and ever. So you're allowing your life, pardon the strong word, to be raped for a seasonal pleasure when you could have a forever pleasure. Watch it now. This is the parable of the sower in the seed. Ah, this is the parable of the sower of the seed. Some fell on good ground. Some fell on rocky ground. Some fell by the wayside. But there was also some seed that fell among the thorns. Right? It fell among the thorns. And in Luke chapter number 8, whenever Jesus gives the interpretation of the parable. I think that's the only gospel. He gives the actual interpretation of the parable. The Bible says in Luke 8 and verse number 14. He's about ready to tell them. And he says, and that which fell among the thorns are they. Which when they have heard... Go forth and are choked with cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. And bring no fruit to perfection. What was, what, what was due to the, 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 the no success of that seed that fell on that ground? It was choked out. It was choked out by riches. It was choked out, as innocent that they can be and seem sometimes, by pleasures of this world. See, because these things we involve ourselves, they seem very innocent. And most of them are until they become the master. It's just a hole in the wall just a hole in the wall but if you ever get your hand on the handle you could find yourself in a room that you can't get out of who in the right mind would thought they'd ever seen a leader of Israel standing before a, almost like a graffiti image on the wall with his censer in worship nobody you asked that priest at the day that he was ordained he would have told you he'd have never done such a thing but see, what we don't realize is that holes lead to doors. And doors lead to rooms that incarcerate us 
that we would otherwise not be had it not been for the whole. Stand with me. I don't want to weary you people, but I will try my best to do it. want to share with you a little bit more before we call this closed because I think it's important for you to hear what God told me and said what I'm speaking to Ezekiel is for you I wrote it down, wrote it in my book, I dated it if I ever die someday probably anybody I know is going to be able to have Bible writing in it and if the preacher has to go to a Bible to see what he wants to say at my funeral he's going to have a lot of them to read through and underlinings and markings this is what the Lord said. I was reading this, and this was the message to Ezekiel, but God said, McGee, this is the message to you. This is the message of God the Master. Whether or not, he's speaking of Israel, whether or not they listen, at least they'll know that a prophet's been here. But don't be afraid of them, son of man, and don't be afraid of anything they say. Don't be afraid when living among them is like stepping on thorns or finding scorpions in your bed. He said, don't be afraid of their mean words or their hard looks. He says, your job is to speak to them. And whether they listen is not your concern. Now listen. Ezekiel has another vision later over in Ezekiel chapter 11. This is where we're, this is where we're poised, poised here tonight. The Bible says that the Spirit lifted him up again. He went back by that way where those 25 men had been standing. And he sees them. He says among them he's seen Jezaniah. He also seen Pelatiah, two princes of the people. Note verse number two, and I don't know if they have it up there. Then said he unto me, God was speaking unto him, Son of man, look at this. Bishop, I believe this. These are the men that devise mischief and give wicked counsel in this city. Verse 4 says, Therefore prophesy against them. Prophesy, O son of man. You know what God is telling? He said, there are some. He said, there is an origin in this city that's propagating some of the mischief, the deception, and the evil of the city. You hear your pastor tonight. He says, you need to cry and you need to prophesy. Let me put it in layman's terms. You need to preach against them. You need to oppose them. Now know what happens then. He says in verse 13. And it came to pass when I prophesied. When he preached. That Pelatiah, the son of Benaniah, died. He was one that was in the city. That had the blueprints for the mischief and the evil of the city. That no doubt infiltrated over into the temple of the city. I'm standing high on the pinnacle of the temple tonight. And I'm telling you as long as these feet are in this place. I'm going to preach against the devisers of mischief in this city. Oh, Brother McGee, do you have a name? No, I don't have a name. But let me, I think it goes beyond the human source. The Bible talks about there being princes of the city. 
the prince uh, the prince of Persia and the prince of media there are principalities and power powers and there are devisers if you will of mischief and devisers of evil that would like nothing more to expose a hole in the wall in the temple and cause somebody to get a little inquisitive and get their head on a door that will pull I'm telling you right now as your pastor as long as I God as long as God has me here I'm going to stand and I'm going to preach against it I'm going to preach against it I'm going to oppose it I'm going to speak against it I'm going to use God's word on it and I pray to God one of these days we're clasping our heads hands at a funeral service for the divisor of the iniquity around this place Folks, the proper response to a sermon like this is to hit the altar. Proper response to a sermon like this is to hit the altar. It's to focus upon everything that's in the temple. It's to focus on the altar. It's to focus upon the labor of washing and regeneration. It's to focus upon the holies of holies and that altar of incense where worship takes place. It's to focus upon that table of shoe bread, that daily bread of God's word. It's to focus upon the flickering of the light, which was the only, the only natural light that they had within the holy place. And it's to go beyond into the veil where the presence of God is, where the walls are so tall, there's no distraction. There's nothing else captivating your attention. Your mind is not on seven, 30 or 8.30 but your mind is on Jesus your mind is on Jesus somebody would somebody tonight in the realm of the spirit be a repairer of a breach around here would somebody tonight in the realm of the spirit plaster up some holes that are in the walls of the temple because your life your life is meaningful enough to do it my children's life are meaningful to do it we don't want to be ensnared by something don't be playing around the hole of the viper don't be playing around the hole of a prison that may incarcerate you these things aren't hid from God what we do in the dark the Lord will make light of it all things will be brought to the light someday I'm asking for the leadership of this church tonight to search your heart I'm asking for the leadership of this church tonight to search your heart you got your censor in hand but you need to evaluate where your feet are you need to evaluate where your feet are are you straddling the doorway you need to evaluate where your feet are Oh, let's talk to the Lord right now. All across this building, let's talk to the Lord. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.